Welcome listeners, and thank you for tuning in to this episode of Sigma Delta Talk. I'm Margot Manley Lima, National President of Sigma Delta Talk. Today's episode features Sarah Green. Sarah is a medicine wellness consultant at Florida Atlantic University. She's a nutrition specialist and fitness instructor. She's also the perfect sister to talk to about how we can embrace health and wellness in our lives. Sarah, I'm so excited you're joining us today. Um, a fun fact for our listeners is that Sarah and I were in the Alpha Mu chapter at the University of Miami together over 20 years ago. And over the years, we've randomly connected over things, but it has been so fun to collaborate with you on this project. Um, and I'm so happy that you are joining us today. Thank you for having me. I'm so happy to be here. So this pandemic has forced us into some unnatural habits, and I know many of our sisters are concerned about maintaining healthy practices. As a nutrition specialist, Sarah, what are your thoughts about how we can incorporate healthy eating at this time? Sure, I think that's a great question and a great area of concern, um, really for any time, but particularly right now. Um, I think that the first and foremost important thing is to really start to create some daily rituals and routines. Um, consistency and um, is a really valuable tool when trying to maintain a lifestyle of wellness. And so I think that um, planning ahead in terms of what you're going to be eating and during this time as people are quarantining and continuing to social distance, um, even sourcing food is challenging. So people might have the best intentions of eating healthfully, but if they're not able to source their food safely um, or it's not accessible, then that can present a challenge in itself. So I think that planning ahead is really important and then creating daily routine. So one of the tools that I use with my clients is meal planning or meal prepping. And usually people will use Sundays to do that. So thinking about where you're gonna source your food from, doing so in a way that is affordable, and accessible, and then planning out your meals for the week. And obviously allowing for some flexibility in that because the flexibility is really important as well. So where do you get inspiration for creative uh, meal ideas? Because one of the things that I've encountered is that I get stuck in a rut, right? I have like the same, maybe 10 meals that I make on a repeated basis, which may be healthy, but also boring, I'm sure my family would say. So where do you get inspiration for new ideas? Sure. So um, aside from my wellness background, I'm also a mom to two young girls, and um, we definitely try to eat healthfully. Um, I teach my children that um, food is fuel, and it's important that we fuel our body healthfully. And that doesn't mean that we can't indulge once in a while because life is about balance. Um, as far as where I seek my inspiration from, I really commit on a daily basis to using the internet and social media to find inspiration. So I follow a lot of different blogs. Um, I follow things, I have a blog that's written by a mom that talks about healthful eating. Um, we have some special dietary restrictions in our house, so I do follow some specialized um, diet inspiration ideas. But I really take a few minutes out of every single day to read for inspiration, and then I have a cookbook um, a copy both on my phone and in my kitchen where I'll jot down notes. And one of the things that we started at the beginning of COVID is we all wrote down, um, we went through all, I have probably hundreds of old um, cooking magazines that I keep and cookbooks. And then of course we all have the internet and all of us, my children and my spouse and myself, we all wrote down 
a list of different items that we wanted to bake or cook during this time period. So that's been really fun. That's awesome. Something that I've done, uh, we recently joined a farm share. I live in DC and um, there's a bunch of Virginia farms. So we recently joined a farm share and what that has provided us with is an opportunity to be creative. So every other week we get a batch of produce that we normally would not buy. So for example, I have a whole container of radishes. That's not necessarily an item that I would buy, but, and turnips, right? So now I have radishes and turnips and now my children are like, what do we do with this? And I'm like, I'm not sure. So right. we, we've been like kind of looking for recipes and Grant and my husband turned their turnips into turnips of rotten, which is not healthy, but mm -hmm. anyway, it was creative and something new and a vegetable my children had never had. So sure. Um, that has been kind of fun forcing us either because it's part of the farm share or just what are the seasonal fruits and vegetables and right. how can we, you know, kind of um, enjoy them because they are, you know, of this time. So that's been kind of fun for my family. Well, and to your point, Margot, we have a lot of farms near, so I'm located in Palm Beach, Florida, and we have a number of different farms very close to us. And one of the things that some of the farms have offered slightly different than a co-op, but they allow you to drive up. And for a flat rate, you buy a box of whatever produce they have available. You don't, you're not able to choose. Um, and then they put it in the trunk of your car to maintain the social distancing. And then we come home and it's like this box of surprises. And one of the items that we got were watermelon radishes. And my girls were like, this is so beautiful, but what do we do with it? So we literally jumped on the internet and my girls are old enough. They all have their own devices. And we sat in the kitchen and we all came up with a different use to try watermelon radishes. They were not all a hit, but I always <laughs> tell my girls, you don't know if you like something until you try it. And I also always say that our taste buds are constantly changing. And that works really well to have that dialogue with young children. But I think it's important even as adults that we recognize that, you know, just because we don't favor the preparation or presentation of a food in one setting doesn't mean that we should just instantly dismiss it, that it's not something we might like in another setting. Agreed. And another way that I've challenged my kids to think about nutrition is um, to add color to our plates, right? So that mm -hmm. we want, you know, to, and they're all about rainbows. So that I was like, let's, we need to have a colorful plate every time we eat. And so how can we incorporate fruits and vegetables and other items that represent those colors? And when I phrase it with a colors perspective, they're like totally into like adding blueberries and, you know, peppers or, you know, whatever it is that, you know, they might eat. Um, but I think that that has framed it in a way that um, we want to eat the rainbow. We want to eat a variety of foods um, that are represented on the rainbow and, and in a healthy way. So I think that's been fun for them to adopt at least that train of thought. Absolutely. Another fun thing during this time is most of us are staying home. And I know that even in some different locations across the country, restaurants are reopening, but people are not comfortable yet going to them. So a lot of us are still doing a lot of cooking and baking in our homes. So one thing that we do is we do a lot of theme nights and I know that you do that as well. Yeah. Um, so we love doing themed nights. I mean, we'll do a Mexican night and I'll have one of my children's making the guacamole from scratch and somebody else is making a salsa. And um, so everybody loves doing themes and that's great, especially if you're stuck home for our sisters across the country. Um, if they're back home with their family, maybe sharing things that they were cooking with their roommates when they were at school. Um, and then for all of us, just, I think it adds an element of fun um, to what otherwise could be kind of a more mundane um, dining experience. Totally. So kind of going hand in hand with nutrition is fitness. And I know obviously you're a fitness um, 
expert here and have facilitated some online uh, live sessions for our sisters. How can, how can we, now that perhaps some of our normal opportunities to go to the gym and so forth are not readily available, how can we still be intentional about incorporating fitness into our, our new norm? Sure, sure. I think that's really important. So a couple things that I'd like to touch on. First of all, I think it's really important that we remember that fitness is not just for our physical body. Um, I think it's really important that people understand that the benefits of physical fitness and movement are so much more than just the impact of the physical state, but also for our mental and emotional well-being. So I think that prioritizing that and understanding that it really is a very multifaceted benefit is important. And then um, depending upon where you are, so I have clients that are in very cold, rainy climates right now, and getting outside and going for a walk or a bike ride just isn't an option. So I think that you really need to look around at what your environment is, and hopefully in the next few weeks and months coming, um, that's going to change for all of us, and it will be warmer, more inviting weather to get outside. But in the meantime, if you are stuck indoors, I think there's a few things you can do. First of all, I think accountability is really key. So finding an accountability partner, and that doesn't mean that you need to be paying for someone to be your trainer. It might just be a friend and you text each other every morning and you tell them what you're going to do for your workout. Um, it may not even be doing it together, although that's the next step. So there's so many free resources available to tap into either a live or recorded stream of fitness. And it doesn't matter what you enjoy, whether it's Zumba, whether it's cardio, whether it's strength training, yoga, Pilates, there are a zillion videos that are available right now. Um, digital libraries all over that are accessible to all of us. So even if you are stuck inside and you want to stay in the privacy of your home, the safety of your home, maybe not ready to go to a gym setting, you can go ahead and view those videos. You can also do an interactive. So a lot of these live streams, they're offering Zooms where you can actually see all of the other participants. And some people really thrive off of that group collective energy. So I think accountability and then tapping into the resources that are available to you based on your environment and what you can do. Definitely. I don't know if you know this, but I was a former Weight Watchers leader. No. Okay. <laughs> and um, it's kind of funny because one of our chapter sisters, Heather Knightage, her grandmother was a founder of Weight Watchers. And I remember like uh, in our chapter learning that about her and thinking it was like a fun fact. And then it kind of came into my life later when I worked for them. Um, but that's an aside. One of the things that I would tell um, the members in my group is that, um, yes, exercise is important, but it's, it's also important for us to think more broadly about what does movement mean, right? So like mm -hmm. formal exercise classes or running, all of that is very important, but just moving your body. So how do you incorporate on a daily basis the ability to move? So one of the things that I've done, whether I, you know, I try to do exercise classes regularly, but if I don't, then going outside and kicking the soccer ball with my children for 30 minutes, like that makes me feel good too, right? And I, I'm intentionally moving my body, going for a walk or a bike ride, some of the things that we may not um, categorize in the exercise arena still is helpful and healthy for us. Um, and so I think it's important for us to think broadly about how we are engaging in physical activity. Absolutely. I think that's a great point, Margot. Um, and there are people even who are, you know, not interested in that more formal setting, and they're able to still get the benefits of movement um, in ways like you spoke of, you know, whether it's a more recreational method of movement or, um, you know, one of the things I think about, I, I live in a two-story home, and my 
daughter's bedrooms are upstairs. And so many times throughout the day, I'm going up and down the stairs. And on a day where I might be taking a rest day in terms of not engaging in formal exercise, I remind myself that I'm still moving my body, right? I'm going up and down the stairs. And I also want to point out that I think it's it's really important to always have gratitude to be able to move our bodies because I often remind myself when I'm going up and down the stairs that there are so many people that don't have the physical ability to even climb a flight of stairs, whether it's because of their pulmonary system or their hips or their knees or their spine or their balance. Something as mundane as going up and down the stairs, and we call those activities of daily living. So we take those so for granted. When you're reaching into your cabinet to pull down a glass for your glass of water, there's many, many people in our community that cannot even do that without, well, they may not even be able to do it at all, but they also may not be able to do it without pain or discomfort. So I think also reminding ourselves that any kind of movement should be celebrated, um, I think is an important mindset as well. Definitely. It should not be viewed as a chore, but as a gift. Right. Yep. I say that all the time. I say exercise is not a chore or a punishment. It's a celebration of what we're physically able to do. Definitely. Um, I think changing that mindset is huge. Um, and I think particularly right now, um, based on what everyone's been going through the last few months, um, that it shouldn't feel like a chore. Like, oh, I have to get my laptop out and I have to jump on this Zoom. Like, Embrace it. Allow it to be a gift, especially as we see people around us fighting for their lives and for their for their health and well-being. To be able to just have the the physical ability to engage in in any kind of movement without any sort of discomfort um, or distress is really um, a gift. Well, going along those lines, I know self care is such an important topic, current always, but I feel like now even more so. Do you have any recommendations on how we can? Uh, embrace self-care as part of our everyday occurrence? Sure, sure. So there's a few things that I would mention in relation to self-care. Um, one of the things that I love to tell people is that most of us early in the day, maybe right out of bed, maybe not right out of bed, they go from the bed to the bathroom and they brush their teeth and they wash their face. And what are they looking at? They're looking in a mirror and they're looking at their own reflection. So I think one of the things you can start your day with that's really important, um, an important element of self-care is really just to look at yourself and think of yourself with positive affirmations. So whether you put a mantra next to the bathroom sink and you read that every morning and it's positive words about yourself, that is self-care. It's, it's thinking positively about yourself. Self-care is not just getting a manicure, doing your nails, or putting a face mask on. Self-care is also caring about the way that we think about ourselves and the thoughts that we think and the words that we say to ourselves. That self-talk really relates to self-care. Um, another thing that a lot of people have adopted who really, maybe some of them have not even ever done this before, is um, a mindfulness practice, some kind of meditation or mindfulness. And a lot of people are very... Um, how shall I say, not overwhelmed maybe, but just, you know, it's the unknown. Maybe they've never done it before and maybe a little reluctant to try. And one of the things that I love to do um, is I suggest to people if they've never had a taste of mindfulness or meditation is find a song that's not, you know, fast and loud and upbeat, but something that's kind of relaxing. It could be some soft jazz. It could even be a soft pop song. It could be a gospel. Find a song that's under five minutes long that you love. 
and go find a comfortable position and sit down or lie down and just allow yourself to close your eyes and listen to that song. That's it. That's a beautiful beginning step to a mindfulness or meditation practice. And obviously there's a lot of different ways that you can adapt that, but it's a really safe place to begin and usually not too overwhelming for people. Um, and then the other thing about self-care is that I found from a lot of my clients that they feel this need to somehow overcompensate for where we are right now. They feel like because they're home and they're not going to a workplace or they're not going and doing things, that somehow they have to overcompensate by doing more at home. Self-care includes the ability to allow ourselves to rest and replenish and recharge. And it's really important to recognize that that's always imperative for our well-being, but particularly in times that are challenging or that we're having distress, really finding time to rest, relax, and recharge is really important. So even if that means taking 30 minutes in the middle of the day and putting your feet up and throwing a mindless TV show on or pulling out your favorite book and reading a chapter in the middle of the day where under normal circumstances that might not be a part of your day, I think it's important that we adapt and we find those moments of self-care right now. We're really living in very unusual times and, and they call for us to be flexible and fluid in how we take care of ourselves. I think that's a really great point because one of the things that I've noticed is that there, there's no distinction anymore between work and home, right? All these lines have been blurred. So it's quite possible that you work the entire day that you're awake or in some fashion. Right. Um, and we need to create those boundaries to um, prioritize ourselves, our well-being, so that we, when we do go to work, when we do attend to our families or whatever other responsibility we have, we're going with our best self. Um, but that only happens if we take care of ourselves. So I couldn't agree with you more. And I also feel like there's a lot of pressure to use what people might regard as downtime or downtime to create yes. new things or to be innovative. And Definitely. If that, if you have the capacity to do that, that's amazing. But at the end of the day, we're just trying to survive. We right. want to come work through this. And if you work through this and you have nothing to show other than the fact that you've cared for yourself in a positive way, that is a, su a success. So I, I definitely agree with you that um, we need to be very aware of how we're treating ourselves and the expectations that we're setting for ourselves. Absolutely. You know, one of the things that comes to mind that's been very different in our daily life is um, my daughters are school-aged, and so normally I get them off to school in the morning, and I have my work day, and they're doing their thing at school, and then they come home, and we have our after school and all that, and usually breakfast time is our meal that we have together. Well, ever since, so they're learning from home. They're in a, in a virtual learning platform like most um, school-aged children right now, so now in the middle of the day, I intentionally have them break, and we come together at the table and we have lunch together. And we've never been able to do that before. And to me, it's a huge gift. Um, I explained to my children recently that they're in, in certain countries and places around the world, uh, people live and work in such small towns that they will walk home for lunch and they'll have lunch with their family and then they'll return to work. We don't live in that culture. But um, really embracing these opportunities for connectiveness, because I think that Connectivity is really another pillar of wellness. Being connected to our loved ones um, is as good for our soul as eating healthfully and exercising. So finding those opportunities in an unconventional day schedule where you can come together and, you know, I think we are able 
people to have the opportunity to create new patterns, new rituals during this time. I know we talked about themed nights and for, and for my family, we have a Friday themed night. And so my husband and I were talking about how for us, that's a really good anchor because we know at five o'clock mm. we have to disconnect and prepare for whatever theme night we're having for our children. Um, and number one, it motivates our children to do their responsibilities so they can participate in the Friday night theme. Um, but it also is a good way for my husband and I to say, you know what, we are putting the work away. We are focusing on our family. Yeah. Because the other thing about connection is that I feel like I'm spe literally spending 24-7 with my family. But the time that I'm spending with them is not necessarily quality time. I, I don't always right. give them my undivided attention, which is not necessarily reasonable. But I have to be very intentional about saying, you know what, from these hours every day or for this part of the weekend, it is family time and all other things are secondary. And, you know, prioritizing that connection because I just because we're spending time together doesn't mean it's quality time. Absolutely. Right. So we're in each other's physical space and for many of us 24 seven. But I also think that to a fault, sometimes we become so comfortable with passing one another in the hallway at home and everyone's doing their own thing that it has to be very intentional and planned, like you're saying. And if you think about um, a lot of our sisters, um, might celebrate Shabbat. And so on Friday evening, when the sun goes down, whether they're lighting candles or not, or having a special meal with their family, the idea is that we are able to turn off from the outside world and reconnect with ourselves and our loved ones in our space. And so whatever motivates people to do that, whether it's planning a themed dinner, whether it's lighting Shabbat candles, whether it's, you know, making a commitment that you're tech free for 24 hours, start, whatever it is, make that intentional, make that goal. And it really, I mean, I think the benefit of that is so much greater than any of us can even understand until we experience it. Absolutely. So before we go, Sarah, do you have any last thoughts for our listeners on how to embrace a healthy lifestyle during, the, during this pandemic? So I think that everyone has different inspiration that they connect with and everyone's ideas of wellness vary. Um, we know the obvious that we should be exercising a certain amount every week, that we should be eating healthfully, that we should be taking care of ourselves. The research and data shows us that it would benefit all of us to have a mindfulness practice. So I think that those things are very obvious. I think that if I can leave everyone with anything, it's to really be committed about taking what we know is good for us and really implementing it. And there can be a big gap between what we know cognitively is good for our well-being and our health and actually putting those things into practice. So I would say that the best thing we can walk away with is being committed to giving ourselves the gift of applying all of these myriad of tools that are available to us to live a healthy, happy lifestyle, even in the midst of everything going on. Awesome. Sarah, thank you so much. I, I have greatly enjoyed uh, reconnecting thank with you, you yeah. and doing this project and all of our future collaborations. I'm so thankful that you've shared your expertise with me and our sisters. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. I'm so passionate personally and professionally about wellness. And um, I think health is such a gift and it deserves to be celebrated and nurtured. 
And there's nothing that I'd rather share with all of my sisters across the world than um, a love for life and to live a healthy, happy life. So thank you for having me. My pleasure. If you want to learn more about the work Sarah does, be sure to follow her on Instagram at be well and live good. Be on the lookout for future episodes. My name is Margot Manley Lima, and you've been listening to Sigma Delta Talk.